0: Hello, and welcome to the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. My name is Jeffrey. I'm John. Welcome to the second episode. How are you doing, John?
1: I'm doing good, man. I've been running around the city of Ottawa all day long. Got lots of uh, assignments, meetings, and all this stuff to attend to, but
0: the podcast is number one. Yeah, we're both living busy lives right now with our journalism classes, bunch of stories, but we're taking the time to do this. Um, and definitely, we... We know that you guys listened to the second episode. We hear what you have to say, and thank you for the constructive criticism.
1: Shout out to the 33 people that listened to it on um, either Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. I mean, it's definitely humbling just thinking about 33 people listening to your podcast.
0: It's a start, and we're going to improve. We're going to get better. We're going to improve our podcasting skills, editing, all types of stuff.
1: So with that in mind, we're going to get into a little bit of our segments for the show as uh, we go forward. So the first segment we're going to introduce is last week in the NBA. So first thing we got to talk about is some trades that went on last week. We got Jeff Teague getting traded back to the Hawks, as well as Trevon Graham in exchange for Alan Crabb, and he goes to Minnesota. So what do you think of this trade right off the bat, Jeff?
0: Clearly Atlanta needs a A backup point guard however they are in last place so i really don't get that move uh for the atlanta hawks for the minnesota timberwolves again a weird fit alan crabb is an overpaid guard who got paid because of the whole brooklyn nets situation and he got overcompensated for his one good season with them i would say
1: The way I see it, it's just a couple of expiring deals, changing hands. Atlanta gets a backup point guard in Jeff Teague, who they've had before, and has been serviceable for them. And then Minnesota just getting Alan Crabb. I mean, is he going to get meaningful minutes? I don't think so. So that's just like expiring deals, swapping
0: hands. So not a major trade. And let's be clear. This isn't the Jeff Teague all-star point guard. No,
1: he's way over the hill now. No offense to Jeff Teague if he's listening, but um, still a serviceable role player. But... um, definitely behind Trey Young in the pecking order and at least Atlanta's got some help in the bench now but I don't think it's going to help them in terms of their entire season.
0: They're last place in the east so they're not doing anything.
1: Yeah they're definitely bound for the lottery. Uh, Moving on we've got the Trevor Ariza trade to the Blazers. So Ariza, Caleb Swanigan and Wenyan Gabriel go to the Portland Trail Blazers in exchange for Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, and two second rounders in 2024 and 2025, and that's going to Sacramento. So, what do you think of this trade?
0: Clearly, clearly this is a salary cap dump. Um, Trevor Ariza, not the same player as he used to be. Kemp Moore is just a decent shooter. Anthony Tolliver, from what I've heard, just really overrated. Um, but they do get two second rounds as well, so um, I guess that's the goal. And then saving salary cap space for the Blazers
1: yeah the Blazers saved 12.3 million in this deal and Sacramento gets future assets in the second round picks but I think Trevor Ariza is still serviceable on the defensive end he's not the shooter he was but he can help out on the wing for Portland's defense because they've got Damian Lillard CJ McCollum and and Carmelo Anthony as their like three like main guys you want, you want to say so they need some help on the defensive end in my opinion
0: And Saving the twelve point three million dollars that might clear up to make another move for Portland who seek to want to Be a contender this year.
1: Exactly. Exactly So moving on we've got some players saying some things last week that we want to talk about first off I want to address JJ Redick He came out on his podcast and said some things that were pretty insightful in my opinion so the quote he had was, more players worry about their pregame fits on Instagram than wins. And he also mentioned how like, NBA players these days don't have enough time in the day to like, cater to all their things, such as um, playing video games, still being a professional basketball player, and I guess prepping their pregame outfits for the walk into the game. So what do you think about this, um, this statement by J.J. Redick? Is he just a boomer or... Does he not understand the culture or is there some validity validity to this?
0: One of the things that people forget is sports is still entertainment and these players, they just want to have fun. They're trying to live their lives. And it's kind of ironic that JJ Redick is saying this um, on a podcast that he's doing in the middle of the season. Like people have different hobbies, different interests, different things they like to do. It's, we shouldn't be judging that. We should be encouraging more personal freedom as long as it doesn't compromise their play on the court.
1: That's exactly what I would say too. Um, J.J. Redick is not a boomer because, like, I mean, he's in his 30s, but he's not a boomer. But I think what he's talking to here is that th- these sort of distractions almost get in the way with the work ethic of some players. So we talked about Ben Simmons last week. How we're disappointed in him because he didn't have he doesn't have a jump shot. And he's playing Fortnite like <laughs> on a stream in like twelve at night the too- day before a game with Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns.
0: You know what I'm saying? Too busy chasing Kendall Jenner too.
1: Oh yeah. Don't let's not get started on that. But personally for me, I'm a fan of the pregame outfits because I feel like it helps connect with fans more. You know, you get to see their sort of style and their personalities in their outfits. But at the same time, you want to see players playing their hardest, practicing their hardest, and becoming the best players they are because at the end of the day, the NBA, is the product that they're putting out is on the court. Everything else that's outside of the court is also part of the NBA, but if their play is not doing well, then there's no point to watch the NBA.
0: And why can't it be both? I mean, look like Le- you look at LeBron James. He's a very stylish man, but he's also the best player in the, in the world. So... Mm-hmm. You can do both. And that's what I love about the NBA in comparison to other sports, where, I mean, especially in like hockey, they're very restrictive. You can't show your personality. In the NBA, I love that they can show their personality. And why would you want to restrict that? And JJ Reddick, like, his podcast is amazing. And he seems like a very smart and insightful guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of disappointed by his comments.
1: Yeah, well, everybody's got a different sort of take on it, but that's JJ Reddick's take. Moving on, we got to address Kyrie Irving the Brooklyn Nets point guard everybody knows him superstar he went out last week and called out his teammates there here's the exact quote that he said and this is like a shortened version but this is what he said I mean it's transparent it's out there it's glaring in terms of the pieces that we need in order to be at that next level and that was coming after a loss to the Sixers so basically he's just throwing his teammates under the bus saying that you guys aren't good enough we need to play better and If we want to play better, we need to make some moves. What do you think of Kyrie's decision to call out his teammates after the game?
0: Very weak mentality. I mean, he was with Boston. People talked about locker rooms and stuff like that. He moved to Brooklyn. A team that made the playoffs without him. And he's saying all this stuff now. And remember, he... So the Brooklyn Nets were winning games when he was injured.
1: They have a better record with Kyrie out of the lineup than
0: him in the lineup, just for the record. Which proves that he's not a superstar. He's a, he's a g- talented player, a great ISO point guard. He can get you that bucket. He scored a beautiful clutch shot over Steph Curry in the NBA Finals. But in terms of being a leader, he ain't... A- it's easy to have LeBron James be your leader and take all the pressure, but when you're in the, in you, when you are the star and you, the team looks up to you, you have failed several times as a point guard.
1: And I'll say this too about Kyrie, just the fact that things went wrong with him in Boston last year, and he's doing sort of the same thing this year. It's just, it's telling of what his character is like. And just the fact that the nets are better without him on the floor it's kyrie's getting the reputation as a troublemaker in the locker room and not a chemistry guy which is honestly not what a superstar is even though people consider kyrie a superstar superstars win superstars lead their team and superstars take their young teammates under their wing they mentor them so
0: and even if you believe that like if you believe that this team needs to improve you don't say that to the public. You don't alienate your teammates exactly. to be like, okay, so th- he hates some of us. Like, he mentioned some names that he likes, but then the other players, how are they supposed to feel about that? Like, oh, Kyrie wants us traded. Like, that is such toxic. Uh, that's such a toxic thing for the locker room.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to go to management and say, I think we need to make some moves because this team isn't fit to win. But it's another thing to call them out, like you said, in, social- in uh, a pr- post-game press conference and say we need to make moves that's this type of stuff that needs to stay behind closed doors
0: I mean it was after a loss too so it's like really really salty it just comes off like
1: bad and as the time of recording this which is uh, January 21st he did come out either yesterday or a couple days ago I think on MLK day yeah yesterday he said based off his comments like last week calling out his teammates he said they persecuted MLK too basically um, I don't want to say he's comparing himself to MLK because it can be interpreted in different ways but that's what he said and it's gotten a lot of mixed reaction on Twitter and around the league media so what do you think personally of this statement by Kyrie?
0: Well he just needs to be quiet him and KD just need to stay in the gym, work, and just not say things that would cause controversy and attention to their team. That's wrong. they like, the, the team, you don't need to distract the team more than you're doing right now. You know, they're they're winning games without you. And when you come back, the only thing you should be focused on is trying to make the team better.
1: I would say that... The fact that he brought up MLK is probably just linked to the fact that they're playing on MLK Day, but at the same time, Martin Luther King, compare or not comparing yourself, but putting him in the same sort of perspective almost or same situation as you, that's that's pretty controversial. He said some
0: stupid things before, man. The whole flat Earth thing too. Like he just. Just be quiet, Brynn.
1: Like MLK, civil rights movement leader, you know, a visionary. I mean, I don't want to paint him like he's like a a 100% good guy because there are things in the past that have come out about MLK. But the bottom line is Kyrie Irving is an MLK. He's a basketball player. And if people are persecuting you, there's reasons to that. So whether it was people being racist to Martin Luther King or Kyrie's Disruption in the locker room, there's a clear difference between that. And I think because they were playing on MLK Day, that's why he brought it up, but I think it was really uncalled for. So, moving on in a not so obvious transition, we're going to talk about Zion Williamson. As of uh, the day we're recording this, he's set to debut tomorrow. So, the day this airs, you might be listening to this, and Zion's going to be playing his. First NBA regular season game they're gonna be playing the Spurs and it's gonna be on national television so I just want to ask you Jeff what are you expecting from Zion in his debut game
0: I don't know what to make of it because I was surprised that he came back because the whole thing is the Pelicans should be tanking I didn't think that he should be coming back this season I think he should have pulled a Ben Simmons but not that he is coming back They might try and push for the eighth seed. I mean, it depends on what they're doing with Drew Holiday. But focusing right on Zion, I don't have much expectations for him this season. I mean, he's probably not going to win rookie of the year unless he has a monstrous, monstrous end of the season. But John Morant's been playing amazing, so I really don't think he's going to.
1: I think Zion's already out of consideration just because of the fact that he's sit out so many games. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I'm not expecting too much from Zion either. I'd say that it's kind of a risky move to be playing him midseason when it's kind of, uh, I don't know if they're really in the playoff push or not. I know San Antonio and Memphis are currently like the two teams that are contending for the eighth seed. And personally, I don't even know if it's worth pushing for the playoffs at this point. I mean, ideally, you want to push for a lottery pick and then. To see what you got next year right and Zion can win rookie of the year next year if he wants to he can pull the Ben Simmons like you said and unless Ben Simmons takes the rookie of the year award next year I mean you never know
0: but um, yeah he's got the talent but his knees we need to watch out for his knees because we've seen it players who jeopardize their careers over their knees
1: knees are probably one of the most important limbs in your body in terms of basketball because you're constantly running, jumping, you're landing. So if his knees don't stay intact, his career is like pretty much done. But I think in order for him to do that, he needs to make like serious changes to his body composition. Like He can't be weighing as much as he does and play at the style he does because it's a really athletic, aggressive style and it's going to put too much strain on his body. So I think if he wants to have, I guess, a longer season and... And just in general, a longer career, he needs to make these changes in order to either alter his style of play or alter his
0: body so where it can guarantee more longevity. And the thing is, he's had this type of body that he's had since high school. And it's kind of cool for the highlights, you know, doing those fancy dunks in high school. But in the NBA, you need to adjust your game to have longevity, to do what's best for your team. And hopefully... He's able to make the adjustments, improve his jump shot, and be a valuable piece for the Pelicans.
1: And honestly, I'm excited for Zion because when I first saw him play in the preseason, I mean, whew, we've never seen someone like Zion before in terms of like the speed, the power. I mean, you can make comparisons to Barkley or Blake Griffin, but I think Zion just in general is like a whole different beast. And I'm, I wish the best for him, but at this point, he's a really big question mark in my
0: opinion. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love for him to boom on these people, man. I, I miss Blake Griffin back in his... Yeah. Time, so I would just love to have like Zion just kill people. But at the same time, I also want him to have a long career. So he's got to make that, like, find that middle ground and also, like, improve other aspects of his game, his playmaking, his shooting, his defense, that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, so Zion, if you're listening, we're rooting for you, but you're probably not listening. So moving on... Um We're going to start our next segment, and we're going to try to make this a weekly segment. We're going to call it the Raptor Wrap-Up. I mean, you can let us know if that's kind of corny or not on Instagram, but I just figured "Eh, it's kind of an alliteration, so we'll go with that. But yeah, so this is going to be a segment where we just talk about the Raptors and what they did last week and sort of our observations. So first off, the Raptors are starting to come around. They're looking healthy again. Winning their last now four games, counting the Martin Luther King Day game yesterday, Gasol's back to shooting form. He shot a career high uh, six threes, I believe, mm-hmm. six threes in one of those games. And Fred and Norm have been looking good too, coming off injury. I mean, Norm Powell just torched the Hawks last uh, yesterday, yesterday, for 27 points off the bench. He was on fire. I think he went six for nine or something from three mm-hmm. or seven for nine, but he was on fire. He couldn't miss. Fred Van Fleet also had a really good game versus the Timberwolves. So now that the Raptors are sort of healthy and, fingers crossed, no more injuries hopefully, what do you think is sort of the ceiling for them in this last push to the playoffs?
0: I mean, I'm not surprised by any of this. I mean, the only thing I've been surprised about is them winning that many games when basically their whole team was injured. But them healthy? No doubt. They're a contender in the East. I mean, you can look at teams like Philly and Milwaukee, obviously, and Miami, but Toronto is definitely up there. I mean, we still have an All Star in Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry. Norm has been impressing though; he's been killing it the past few games, averaging at least twenty. And I, but at the same time, like I believed in him. I've always thought that he was going to be something. I, I trusted Masai. Remember. He was part of the Gra- Graves-Vasquez trade uh, with Milwaukee. And seeing him develop and being patient with him, there have been games where he would shoot bricks over the past few years. But seeing him develop, it's really nice to see. and it. It's a good story.
1: I think Fred Van Fleet's play just in general this whole season, he's definitely bound for a really big contract in the offseason, whether it's from the Raptors or from another team. Fred's looking like the starting point guard on... A really like you know either mid-tier team or like a good team if they can pay him but um yeah I've, I've been really happy for Norm too I just feel like in the last couple seasons whenever he starts to come around and play really good he just gets injured which is really unfortunate but it looks like now hopefully Norm can get a stretch like to the end of the season where he stays healthy and he's shooting good and what's good is we still have him under contract so he can be an asset that can be moved in the future if he continues to play good. So, speaking of assets, the Raptors are looking to be buyers at the trade deadline, according to Woj, Adrian Wojnowski, if you're unfamiliar with him. He's an NBA insider on Twitter. So, as of the recording, I believe they're in third place now. They've passed the Celtics. They t- they're tied with them, but they're, they're ahead
0: of them in the standings. So, but just behind the miami heat i believe
1: yeah just behind the miami heat and the assets they have to trade are a bunch of first round draft picks in the coming years they got young guys like terrence davis second and expiring deals like ibaka gasol even norm powell could be a trade chip although personally i don't want to see them to i don't want to see them move their core for a player that's like for one player because i feel like this core is really strong already And what the Raptors need to do if they're going to make a move is get a player that's going to help them out either on the scoring end or on the defensive end. And ideally, you don't want to give up any of your core. So what do you think of the prospect of the Raptors um, making a big move this trade deadline?
0: Listening to a lot of insiders, they are aware that the Raptors look to improve their team, but they can't think of anybody the Raptors would trade. There have been names like Gallinari, Derek Rose. Derek Rose? There was there were some grumblings about Derek Rose but the thing is, I don't know who the Raptors would give up for any of these guys and that's on Masai and let, to let him work his magic because no one really knows who the Raptors could give up and what they'll get back because they're a really good team right now. And I don't even I don't know exactly who they would want to get.
1: I mean, just to like speak on the brilliance of Messiah Jerry, Bobby Webster, Dan Tolzman Mm -hmm. and their whole team. Did you expect the Raptors to trade for Kawhi Leonard last summer? No, it came out of nowhere. Exactly. Did you expect them to trade for Marcus All? I mean, they've been the Raptors have had rumors with Marcus All for years. But did you think they'd actually get him?
0: Well, if. I wasn't exactly sure to be honest there was it was between him and meritage um but i didn't think it would actually get done and i didn't know who we were going to give up
1: and that's why what i want to emphasize is that insiders can say these things that oh, the raptors are looking to be buyers at the trade deadline or the Raptors can potentially get this guy this guy that's the brilliance of these front offices is that they can bring up these trades and get these trades done that people Like average people like us that are sitting in the booth recording this podcast can't think of or can't conceptualize because that's what they're getting paid for they're getting paid the big dollars to make these moves and and conceptualize these moves
0: and even a guy like Woj he's been obviously one of the most reliable insiders in the NBA and he's been wrong a lot about the Raptors because of how well, Masai Jury, Bobby Webster have protected their office and from rumors or anything like that.
1: Yeah, so definitely looking forward to see what the Raptors do this deadline. I think if they want to potentially make it to the East Finals, because I think right now their ceiling is East Semis, potentially. I think they need to make a move if they want to make it to Eastern Finals or farther. And, I don't know.
0: I think they could make it to East Finals just the way they are. If they put, they're out, assuming that they're healthy.
1: And I'd also like to see them maybe acquire some more assets in order to sort of prepare for 2021's free agency class. Because this, this upcoming free agency, I don't expect them to sign anyone too big because there aren't really too many names out there. Anthony Davis is the biggest one, but I mean, he's probably going to sign to LA again. Or, with them, yeah. or he might go back home to Chicago. I don't know. But yeah, so. Speaking of um, NBA insiders and NBA reporters, we got to talk about this story that broke last week by Ramona Shelburne. She uh, basically dropped a story saying that Kawhi and Paul George met up at Drake's house in L.A. in the summer. So obviously that doesn't sit well with a lot of people, primarily people living in Toronto. And based off the backlash of that, TSN's reporter Josh Lewinberg, he's a Raptors Beat reporter, he tweeted out as the story came out that um, he basically suggested that the Raptors should sever ties with Drake, the Raptors' national or, um, global ambassador. And he tweeted that if, and he stressed the word if, Drake knowingly played a role in the Kawhi and Paul George um, teaming up, then the Raptors should consider severing ties with Drake. So, I just want to address this with you because we're both in journalism school right now and in our fourth years and like learning. And do you think that Josh Lumenberg was quick to tweet this? And how do you feel about reporters tweeting their opinions such as, like, severing ties? Because personally for me, I think that was a little out of line.
0: Well, the thing with Josh Lewenberg, and I've followed him for years, is he's not a big fan of Drake. Um, As a reporter, even though he's recognized his work, he was quick to make fun of him or make jokes about his his impact on the team. And with this comment, it wasn't really that surprising, to be honest. Um, But at least he had the um, he was able to apologize at the end. Um, And with Ramona, she said that the perfect way she described it was Drake loaned his mansion like an Airbnb. So that was a very significant part of the story because it would just prove Josh Lewenberg wrong in that Kawhi was not part I mean sorry Drake was not a part of this Kawhi PG exchange
1: yeah and I think that was a big thing is because that context wasn't really there in terms of the story or it was missed by Josh Josh Lewenberg so I think personally reporters that are you know not like personalities like Stephen A. Smith Max Kellerman or Skip and Shannon any of those guys Skip and Shannon Max Kellerman, Stephen A., they can all say their opinion because that's their show. They're not journalists. They're just analysts. Josh Lewenberg... Commentators, yeah. Josh Lewenberg is a journalist. And maybe this is just me sprouting out my journalistic... uh, What is it called? Like, patriotism? Or, like, uh, (laughs) journalistic values. Yeah, values. Ethics. Ethics, yes. I don't think he should be tweeting, like, suggesting that the Raptors should sever ties because that's a big thing to say and especially when not everything is clear in the story that's like to me that's a big red flag on him although honestly I can't criticize him because I'm not in his position but at the same time I would like to think if I was I wouldn't be so quick to say oh the Raptors should sever ties with Drake because he might have been part of this if he was a part of this and I mean, wouldn't you even p- mention that
0: I mean, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt, because like he Drake's has done Drake's done a lot for the Raptors and for, for the franchise, for globally marketing the team for the city, for the city. I mean, for him to just assume that this was a real possibility is irresponsible. I like that word
1: irresponsible. And just in general. I also want to ask these questions based off of this, so does this still ch- does this change your opinion on Kawhi cuz I know a lot of the backlash on social media was quick to be like oh man Kawhi's a snake for that do you do you still have that opinion of Kawhi where you hold him in high
0: regards I mean Kawhi didn't owe Drake anything Drake was doing that as a friend and as reported he had nothing to do with that so this was just Kawhi trying to make the best situation for himself George would be nice, but sacrificing basically the whole team for them? I'd rather just wait and trust Masai.
1: hmm exactly. And just this whole thing in general, it gets me really riled up with NBA reporters and NBA journalism because the thing is, is they're not asking the right questions most of the time. Like, if you look at guys like Mark Schwartz, the guy who worked the finals, how many times has he asked a really dumb question that NBA players have just laughed at, you know? or Josh Lewenberg, he's had his run-ins with, like, Lowry in terms of, like, asking questions that Lowry's just gotten, like, pissed off at or didn't even answer at all. So I feel like reporters, especially NBA reporters, they need to be more diligent in their questioning. you know, in their questions that they're asking. They need to ask the smart questions that are not just, how did you win the game? You got to ask them, what was the... What was the key to the defensive scheme this, this t- time out, you know? Or, like, they got to be more specific.
0: Well, to be fair, there are some good reporters, but I kind of get what you're saying. There are some really bad reporters who give the whole NBA beat reporting scene a bad rep.
1: Like, that's why everybody's clowning, like, the NBA journalists. Like, people on social media say that, oh, these guys are idiots. They don't even watch basketball. And the players too are fed up with them like you you look at guys like KD and Lowry and you know sometimes even LeBron's fed up and there's that famous Russell Westbrook clip like yeah. what like you know that right yeah. exactly like that's why NBA journalism has this reputation It's because I don't think the reporters are doing a good enough job but it's easy for me to be critical because I'm not there yet but and it's also part of, partly that I'm not there yet, which is why I'm a little envious. So that's like a disclaimer for that. But
0: And some of the best interviews, like, for example, Sergi Baka's show is amazing because it makes the players really, really comfortable and they're just having a natural conversation. And if more reporters try to take that approach, I think the players would respect that.
1: Right, right. So transitioning from our little rant about journalism there towards the end of our raptor wrap-up we're going to move on to um, around the rumor mill so we're just going to talk a little bit about some rumors we've seen in the last couple of days um, i saw some weird rumors on instagram basically i saw instagram post saying that the raptors were eyeing carl anthony towns bradley beeler andre drummond at the deadline and i saw this from we the north forever on instagram so just a raptors uh, fan page so, do you even think the Raptors can potentially make these trades? Like, we were talking about trades earlier.
0: No, probably not. I mean, the the 1% chance that it can happen, I only have that because of Maasai. But other than that, this these are just ridiculous offers. I mean, uh, rumors.
1: Like, I think all of these guys, especially Carl Anthony Townsend, Beal, I don't, I don't think Minnesota is picking up the phone. I think Washington will pick up the phone just because... Beal's like sort of in flux right now with the team, but they're gonna ask a lot for Bradley Beal Like they're gonna ask for two first-rounders probably a young guy Contract salary to match the salaries and maybe another player like a like a middle-tier player so I just think any of these players are like Unrealistic for the Raptors to get and especially with Drummond He's an expiring deal. So like I don't get why you would go for him and I think the Ibaka Gasol Boucher rotation is already good for the Raptors like center position, like I get it. There's not enough rebounding there, but there's defense, three-point shooting, passing from Gasol. So you you'll have to compromise with that in my opinion. And just in some other rumors, the Rockets, Jazz, and Blazers are interested in Serge Ibaka, Mafuji self, Mafusi Chef himself. So. Do you think the Raptors would trade Serge? I mean, he's an expiring deal.
0: I really don't think so. I think Ibaka loves being in Toronto, and Toronto loves Ibaka. Um, and as said stated earlier, the Toronto Raptors are trying to contend, and he's a valuable part of the team. A shot blocker, a stretch center, a good defensive guy. I mean, I don't really see them trading with Ibaka.
1: Yeah, and I mean... I would hate to see Serge go because I'm such a big fan, you know, like over the years. I mean, at times he'd be really polarizing to watch because he would just like be so inconsistent. But I just, I'm a big fan of Serge just because of his personality, you know, and what he sort of brings to the team as like a chemistry guy. He's a good locker guy to be around and
0: I love his show. And the thing is, I, I always have a soft spot for players who truly loved Toronto. Mm-hmm. because i remember there were times where players hated toronto they didn't want to even play a game for them so seeing a player like ibaka embrace toronto as his home i love him
1: i think too like you can tell ibaka is like a real like toronto guy cuz he knows the local spots like he knows like the spots in chinatown and he goes there frequently like he frequents those places and he knows like all the good places to eat he knows where to get like ingredients for his cooking show you know So I feel like he's really in tune with the culture. And honestly, like, guys like him, Amir Johnson, like, all those guys that were just in the community, even Pat Patterson when he was here, like, he used to throw these, like, cineplex or uh, these movie nights, these movie screenings. And I just appreciate guys, too, like that, that stay involved in the community and are, like, really rooted in the community that is Toronto. Of course, that's, like, our home, so. Mm -hmm. Always have a soft spot for home. So, moving on, we're going to have a reoccurring segment from now on called Spicy Takes. It's uh, sort of our hot take format where we're going to make a little claim, see if it pans out or not, and then if it does, then great. I mean, I don't know if we're going to have like a reward for that, or maybe we're just going to keep like a tally. Then by the end of the season, the podcast season, we'll sort of see who's the winner of the Spicy Takes uh, segment. And then there's going to be a punishment for the hosts that get it wrong when the take resolves so let's say I say that uh, Luka Doncic is going to win the all-star voting like overall like most votes so he's going to be the team captain if I get it right then that's like a tally on my my end and then that's like a win for me but if I get it wrong then we have to think of some sort of like punishment so we're going to think of that we're going to me and Jeff are going to talk about that and see what to do because I mean, what are we going to do, like a slap on the back or something? Mm -hmm. So they can hear it, like, (laughs) that was probably really loud, sorry. Um, Yeah, I don't know, but we'll we'll figure that out. So each host gets one spicy take per week. So I've got my spicy take here. I think, personally, John Morant's going to have a better career than Zion Williamson, and here's why. Because I think John Morant's just going to have a longer career. I don't think Zion is going to have the same career that John Morant will have because I think he's just gonna deal with injuries his, his entire career. As unfortunate as I'd want to say, and yo, like this is a really weird take to have because I don't even know if it's gonna resolve in like the next, you know, forever long. But John Morant's a lock for Rookie of the Year. He almost dunked over Kevin Love, like literally jumped over him. He's had so many highlight plays, and he's leading his team to winning basketball, which is like the most important thing. And just. A little, like shine a little light on John Morant. I haven't been this excited about a point guard since like Derek Rose in his rookie year you know he gives me those vibes like he's he's like Derek Rose but a little more graceful and he's got like great vision. He's got like it's like if Derek Rose and Ricky Rubio like sort of morphed into some sort of like compromise, that's the way I see John Morant and I'm honestly a big fan so I mean you could take that with a grain of salt but that's I'm- my spicy take.
0: That's a very long-term take. We have to see because they're just starting their careers.
1: Uh, I guess. How about we do it like this? If this podcast goes on to the second season, if if is still doing better than Zion, then like I don't know, I'll, like I'll buy you a beer or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my take for this week. So, what do you got, Jeff? What do you got for the spicy take?
0: I mean, not as spicy as that as of right now, but I would say I think Jamal Murray will be an all-star. Not this year, but I mean, next year.
1: Jamal Murray is an all-star next year. Okay, so we got some two like, long-term takes this year, or this this podcast. Um, I just want to ask, why do you think J- Jamal Murray is going to be an all-star?
0: I've always loved him. I remember watching him play for Team Canada in FIBA, and he's just always been good, and In the system that he's playing right now in Denver, he's just been slowly growing and growing. And as they continue to be a good team, they're going to get better.
1: Yo, shout out to Kitchener, Ontario. That's where Jamal's from. But uh, yeah, he's going to be a good player for Team Canada eventually. Uh, Looks like we got our friends here as we're recording. But um, yeah, that was our last um, segment for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast, Episode 2. We're going to start uploading these weekly, Wednesdays at noon. And you can look out for that on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these platforms. Make sure to check out our social media at NBA's NBA Most Valuable Podcast. That's NBA Most Valuable Podcast. And you can also uh, follow our socials, uh, JPEG John and uh, Jeff Traminator. Yes. Yes. So you JPEG John is with a dot in between yeah i don't think i'm gonna get any followers from this anyway because the people that listen to this follow us already so with that we're gonna end it off here jeff is there anything else you want to say
0: give us more constructive criticism we're still new at this we're going to get better we can take criticism make jokes with us whatever we're going to get better
1: also we'd like to get your suggestions on guests we're going to make a post in uh I want to say in the next couple of days or so, asking for who you'd like to see on the NBA Most Valuable Podcast. If you have someone that's knowledgeable about basketball that wants to talk, it's all fair game. So let us know who you want to see on the podcast as guests. We're going to start featuring guests around week three or four as we sort of establish our own voices as radio MCs or podcast MCs. So with that in mind, we're going to close it out. Thanks for watching. Watching. Oh (laughs) my (laughs) God. I'm terrible at this. Thanks for listening to the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast, and stay tuned next week for our next episode.